Hola, friends. Welcome to Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and certified life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome and bienvenidos. So thank you guys so much for tuning in again to Medicine and Marriage and Money. I'm recording this the Friday before I release it on Monday because I have a bit of inspiration, y'all. I just got back from listening to Brene Brown, not Brene Brown, like I used to think. She I totally got called out for this when I posted on my social media account and I call I spelled her name Brene, not Brene. Okay. And yes, I totally got called out. Was I embarrassed? A little bit. Did I think it was like could have been an intentional accident? Yeah, of course. So thank you for those of you who reached out to me. It's Brene Brown and she is amazing and intentional, super, super intentional, present, just mindful, everything that so many women in my life love, embody, just adore. I can't even believe how, I mean, of course I can't, I can't like we're all in love with her. So let me just tell you what she told me. Okay. So she talked to us for about two hours. So I, hopefully I'm not going to talk to you for two hours, but I'm just going to tell you how, what she said. She talked a lot about leading and why this is important to you is because I feel like because you are listening to this, you are the leader in your relationship, whether you're listening to delve deeper into your connection with your spouse, whether you're talking about your relationship with your in-laws, with your son, with your daughter, uh, with your own parents. Um, you know, I, I do tend to focus a lot around marriage in this podcast. Um, but if, you know, any relationship, okay. So leading, leading, okay. This is how she talks about, she'd start talking about courageous leaders, right? And a courageous leader talks about the things that we are told not to talk about. We're told to just keep silent, right? Because it'll be awkward. It'll be too sensitive. It'll be too much or not enough. Okay. And when we don't talk about important things that may be awkward or conflicting or raise eyebrows, then what are we talking about? You know, like Brene was, was uh, joking that she, she doesn't, she doesn't know how to small talk. You know, what are we doing? You don't, you're not in a relationship with your spouse or with your children to small talk. Okay. So she was told not to talk about the election as she was speaking on Wednesday, the Tuesday after the results were announced. And regardless of your uh, political beliefs, you're going to have feelings, right? You're going to have feelings either way on the election. So she had voices in her head that were saying, don't talk about the election. This might not go the right way. So what you do, she talked about the election and she 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 liked to to say that daring leaders excavate the SHIT that no one else will deal with. Leaders don't dance around the elephant. They invite the elephant to tea. We all have our emotions, right? This isn't up for debate. We all have emotions. It, this is neuroscience. And as most of you are physicians or in the medical field listening to this, you know, it's not a it's not a question of do we ever feel angry, happy, sad, uh, upset, in love? No, of course we do. So why do we just flick those emotions away when we're trying to trying to discuss something without you know getting emotional, 
What does that, what does that mean? Of course, we're going to have emotions that come up. Invite them, invite them to tea. We are emotional beings on occasion that think. This is what she said. She said, we are emotional beings that on occasion think, you know, and as a husband or wife or spouse in your relationship, we are not always okay. And we don't always have to act okay. So then why then do we want our spouse to always be okay, right? Why do we get uncomfortable when our spouse is sad, unhappy, angry, frustrated with us? That's okay, right? She And then she, she even talked about her husband. She's like, the only reason her husband... Her husband and her are not divorced is because neither one of them had the energy to get a divorce at the same time. She's like, the last couple of years, y'all have been not okay. Okay. They have put every relationship through the ringer and then, and then some, okay. COVID riots, political fiascos, women's rights issues, you know, race biases, like all these things. And then COVID again and again and again. Okay. So why don't we just start every day with a check-in or every, every meeting, maybe every encounter, maybe it's not in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, maybe it's when you see them midday, maybe it's a text, just a check-in, like a two-word check-in. And, you know, Brene, when she was saying this, this is how she likes to start meetings. I say, why not start this way, a conversation with your spouse? If you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to handle, if you like, if, you know, whatever. So you start with a two-word check-in. How are you feeling? And you just go around the room, and it could be at your family, it could be at the family dinner, it could be just you and your spouse, it could be it could be a meeting, like right? If you're a leader at work, and it only takes about five minutes to go around the room, even if there's twenty people in the room. Okay, maybe not for like a group of a hundred people. Maybe if it was like I was in this audience with thousands of women, we each turned to our neighbors and shared our two-word check-in. So yes, you could do this with a million people, but let's just start with you and your spouse. Two-word check-in. How are you feeling today? And you only need five minutes. Okay, so what are they? What, what if they say sad and hopeful? Well, at least you've heard how they feel. At least they they feel seen. They feel heard. Who knows? Maybe this might even help them feel respected, validated, just hearing there's emotions. Okay. I know my toddlers love when I just mention their emotions, when I don't say, don't be sad, you know, don't be angry. No, be angry, please. So just two word check-in. And if those emotions need to be talked about at a later time, okay, but just, just hear them. Okay. Why don't we ask people how they're feeling? Why don't you ask your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your spouse, how they're feeling? Well, because you don't want to know because it can be heavy because we don't have the answers. And I will tell you personally, when we are having a brainstorming session or talking at work and we're going around the room and having a check-in, just how we're feeling. Oh my gosh. Is it feel so real, so intimate and just I mean, the, the most intimate way you can have in a group of 25 radiologists. It's just, it, it's, it lightens everything. You become a little bit more vulnerable, Renee would say. And then 
you always have that opportunity to go check in with that person who spoke to you or your emotions alarmed you at a later time. Maybe not in front of all 25 people, but they're heard. And we've done this. We've done this in my own group. I actually have also been shot down for suggesting that we open up meetings, asking people how they feel. You know why? Because my leader at the time felt uncomfortable, didn't know how to deal with it, thought that they would have to fix things, right? Didn't want, didn't want that, right? This isn't going to set the mood. Like if somebody says sad, it doesn't mean it sets the whole room for being sad. No, you're just hearing. So this is what Brene says leaders say. Leaders say, I don't know what to say, but let's talk about it. I don't know how to lead this conversation or even to have it. Say the day after election or the day after George Floyd's murder, right? Does everybody come in and just go to work just like normal? I mean, something tragic happened. I know this was several years ago, but things like this happen over and over again, right? School shootings. Do we just all come to work and or have the first Zoom meeting of the day and not say anything? No. And even if the leader, you, don't know how to lead the conversation or to even have it, you don't start the day until you invite it to tea. You just open the discussion. You hear people's emotions and you listen. And, you know, this is actually one of the huge reasons why the great resignation happened over the past couple of years. And I don't exactly know the timeline. I think it's probably still happening now, right? So many physicians have flocked work. Um, I was I was at a Grand Rounds a couple of months ago presenting and the group I was presenting with said so like over half to two thirds of the department left. Everybody else is just overworked, tired. Why do people leave? So the great resignation, what is the number one reason? This has been researched. The number one reason people leave their work is because of toxic culture. Okay. Think about your own marriage, your own, your own environment. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you or your spouse makes $10 million. Do you want to stay if your marriage feels toxic? Same thing applies to work. No, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much they pay you. When you feel disrespected in a toxic work culture, okay, that's it. You can only handle so much. When you feel shunned or like you don't belong, when there are inclusion issues, that's part of toxic culture. So number one, people feel disrespected. Number two, inclusivity is not a thing in your in your work environment. That is why there's the great resignation. And I think we can, and I believe we can apply that to your marriage as well. So do you want a toxic environment in your home, whether it's with your spouse or their children? You know, just think about it. Think about it like how many of you guys have uh, middle schoolers or maybe kids who are going to be middle schoolers in a year or two, or who were, you know, a few years ago. Isn't that like an awkward time, right? 
like they've got the sweaty palms. They've got like they started getting the underarm smelly, smelling it through ring bras now. They've got to learn to put on tampons. I don't know what's going on with the guys and what's going on with the girls. Okay, they, they don't have a place to sit. They don't know whether they're supposed to sit next to the boy or the girl, or you know, they don't know. Like, oh, so awkward. And it just why do we get so uncomfortable when we were raising our own middle schoolers? Because we all have a middle schooler inside each one of us. And she said something that I, oh my gosh, resonated. When fitting in is the goal, okay? So when I put on the, the, the you know, the perfect shoes, whether they be the Chanel or the Manolo or the <laughs> YSL, whatever, the perfect shoes, whatever shoes my neighborhood, the little neighborhood group likes, they put on the sparkly jacket, the perfect headband, the ones, and you know, no, for Dallas, when I put those on and I go to my wine club or my book club or bunker or what is it? Mahaj, Mahjong, Mahjong club. When I go and then they don't invite me back and I'm wearing the right shoes and the right jacket and the right headband. If they didn't invite me back, we experience shame because we didn't find that connection we were seeking. But when we go completely ourselves, we could still be wearing the shoes and the jacket and the headband, right? Just because we want to, not because we're looking to fit in. Because this is my favorite jacket. These are my favorite shoes. This is my favorite headband. And we go to the wine club. And we do get invited. We, and then again, we don't get invited back. We don't experience the shame. We just think, hmm, these aren't my people. So when we don't talk about hard things because we think it will be awkward, okay, this is the definition of privilege. I never thought of it this way. Never. Oh my gosh, brilliance. She said, when we don't talk about hard things. So let's go back to the great resignation, toxic culture, leaders who don't want to talk about hard things. In your marriage, when you don't want to talk about money, when you don't want to talk about sex, when you don't want to talk about the in-laws issues. Hmm. Why not? That's you're you're privileged. Okay. So how could you think about that from the marriage standpoint instead of like a work, work environment? Well, if you're not the one bringing up the money or the sex or the in-laws or the parenting, it's probably because you're not the you're you're privileged enough to be comfortable enough to know that you're going to keep doing the things right or like maybe it's your spouse the one who's having the hardest time right because if you were really having the harder time the one who is not bringing it up because you didn't feel safe and this could go both ways just think about that right when you don't talk about hard things, okay, are you not leading? Why are you not leading in your relationship? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to relate to choices people make in and outside of your relationship sometimes. She had us do this exercise. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you really cannot relate to the choices other people are making right now. Raise your hand 
if you're not driving, raise your hand if you cannot relate to some of the choices your spouse, your children, your in-laws are making right now. I, I'm just assuming that both of your hands are up. Now raise your hand if you've ever experienced love, grief, rage, frustration, anger. I think I've probably experienced all of those today, to be honest. Yeah, I've been frustrated at work. Love, my my kids walking out the door. Anger, yeah, had some upsetting conversations with <laughs> with some, just a, some annoying, frustrating conversations back and forth today. Okay, grief. Yeah, I lost a box full of 15 pairs of boots in our last move. And for some reason, I'm hanging on to it. Yes, I have experienced all of those words today. And I think you probably have too, if you can dig deep and think about it. We all experience the same emotions. So why does this matter? Well, the people in your life who you can't relate to, you can't relate to their choices. Can you at least relate to their emotions? Can we take a step back and relate to their emotions? If you can do that, if you assume that as your role as the leader in your relationship, if you have that, as take that as your obligation as the leader in your relationship, then you can do hard things. Okay, even when it's awkward. A leader is anyone who holds themselves responsible for elevating their relationship with others. Okay. You are responsible for that dynamic. Okay. If you have the courage to step in, to be vulnerable, to allow the awkward and create room for people's stories who are different than yours, boom, it's magic. That's when people tell their stories. That's when people are open. That's when people share, okay? When you hear that story, whether it's from your husband or wife or mother-in-law, you choose to believe it, even when it's not your experience. You guys, these are words coming out of Brene's mouth, okay? And she, of course, was talking about work environment. I am telling you, this is so related to your marriage. This is so related to your relationships. Let me repeat this. When you hear that story, okay, coming out of your in-law's mouth, when you hear that story coming about out of your husband or wife's mouth that you just don't understand, you cannot get on the same page. You hear the story, you choose to believe it anyway, even when it's not your experience. How can you? Well, they're a different person. They have a completely different experience. Even when this brings up things you don't want to look at in your own life, this is kindness, this is courage, this is leadership, and this is love. Self-love, love for others, love for your community, love for the universe, love for God. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. Let's go. If you are finding the concepts I teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth, personalized support for your relationship, consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of. Go to www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18-page medical marriage survival guide and workbook at no cost to you. 
It has been known to decrease fighting, rumination, and grudges between you and your loved ones. If you want to take it a step further, really enhance the joy and connection in all of your relationships, including those most intimate and dear to you, sign up for a discovery call by clicking contact us and book a free consultation at medicinemarriageandmoney.com. Thank you so much for leaving a five-star review, leaving a little snippet about why you love it, for telling your friends about the podcast, for posting on social media. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing this podcast. Talk about pay it forward. So much love to you and your spouse. You're exactly where you need to be in this moment. Adios, mis amigos. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those from myself and the invited or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.